were familiar with this advice and they knew that it's important first and foremost to keep God present uh, and not compartmentalize one's relationship with God, but to always, uh, the president's called it the most important thought. The most important thought is always to be aware of God's presence and not treat God as some distant figure who, you know, got the world, got the universe going a billion years ago and, you know, occasionally shows up. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. Dr. Lewis Andrews is founder and president of the Children's Educational Opportunity Foundation of Connecticut. And previously, he was the executive director of the Yankee Institute for Public Policy at Trinity College Hartford. He is definitely well-educated, and he's my guest today to talk about his new book, which is Living Spiritually in a Material World and it's from Fidelis Books and Post Hill Press. Now, he also has a doctorate in social psychology, and he's gone to Princeton and Stanford as well. So, like I said, he's well-educated. Uh, we're so happy to have you, Dr. Andrews, here on Charisma Connection, and we're going to go a little uh, informal today, so I'll call you Lou. Okay, Chris, thank you. That's great. Yes, and, and uh, I always go informal with my name, too. So uh, right. so nice to have you today on the show. And your book seems to apply to all Christians because we all need to live spiritually in this material world. And, you know, honestly, maybe right now in the time of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, this is even more true. And I like your subtitle, too, The Lost Wisdom for Finding Inner Peace, Satisfaction, and Lasting Enthusiasm in Earthly Pursuits. That is, you've packed a lot into that subtitle. Tell us about how you came up with this title and subtitle and how this topic just gripped you. Well, uh, Chris, as, as you mentioned in your introduction, my background, my education is in psychology. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I have always had a very uh, strong spiritual sense, uh, which, uh, and I had a spiritual turnaround in my life when I was around 30 and, and, and I'm a Christian, found mm -hmm. God and Jesus. Amen. Um, and so, so I've always been interested, though, in the connection between psychology and religion, because um, psychology as a profession started about 100 years ago with Freud, famously with Freud, who was very anti-religious. Yes. And uh, that never felt right to me. And it's never felt right to a lot of psychologists because uh, uh, for many, many years, uh, there was no evidence that psychotherapy worked very well. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, I mean, it, it grew as a popular idea. And Even uh, if you were laying on a couch? Right. It, well, you know, it it, it had it, it had a lot of good press in the movies. They made a lot of movies about you know yes. people, you know, on the couch and having emotional breakthroughs and all that. But it never it there's until recently there's never been much evidence that psychotherapy works. I mean, you uh, can put a purse, bunch of people in therapy for a problem, and you can take a bunch of people on a waiting list, and the people on the waiting list tend to get better just as fast as, as people in therapy. But what I found out some years ago uh, is that the one thing which does predict 
happiness and peace of mind is religious faith. People who believe in God, go to church, um, try to practice the Bible, are in fact happier and healthier uh, than people who aren't. So that's sort of where I was coming from. And just by accident in terms of my, well, accident maybe in terms of my historical research, I discovered uh, that uh, when most of American colleges got started years ago, even before the American Revolution, uh, Harvard goes back to 1640, um, they were all run by ministers because they were all founded as seminaries. The famous schools, uh, Dartmouth and Harvard and Yale, Princeton, all started as, as, as places to train ministers. Uh, but then it became clear uh, to the presidents of these schools who were ministers uh, that a lot of the students weren't going to become ministers. They were going to graduate. They were there for the education and they were going to graduate and they were going to become doctors and lawyers or business people, whatever. And so every one of these early college presidents started a seminar to help undergraduates learn how to live spiritually in the material world. Hmm. And this went on for about 300 years from the founding of Harvard right up until the First World War and had a tremendous influence on America. I mean, it not only influenced the graduates, the ministers who, 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 who uh, left these schools, went out, had a huge impact on America, uh, and uh, the philo- this kind of this sort of practical, how do, you nego- how, how do you negotiate the real world and stay true to God, uh, had a huge impact on American history. This has really been forgotten. For the last hundred years. So, you know, that's what really inspired the book. I wanted to go back, and this has been a hobby of mine really for almost 20 years. I've read the books, I've read almost every book ever written by an early American college president, learned all about the coursework they taught. And then when schools became too big uh, for one college president to teach every student, uh, the uh, presidents uh, took their their teachings, and they turned them into Sunday sermons. And uh, right up until the 1960s, almost every college president in the U.S. gave a sermon in the chapel that was required. I mean, it's hard to believe now, but this wasn't that long ago. Uh, I don't know and, if uh, at, at these Ivy League schools, I assume that chapel's not required anymore. They, uh, when I went to Princeton in 1964, it was the first year that it wasn't required. Ah. But right, right up until 1964, and at every other college in America, practically, you went to, you were required to go to chapel, and you were required to hear the president talk about how to live spiritually in the material world. Hmm. And uh, then uh, the presidents turned these sermons into books had a huge impact on American history. I mean, people read these books because they wanted to know as doctors, lawyers, business people, you know, how they could serve God and, you know, continue with their chosen profession. So that's what inspired me to read the book because I realized this all been forgotten. No one talked about it. No one knew what the presidents were talking about. And there's, these are incredibly bright people who had really great insights into the Bible and how to take uh, the lessons of scripture and apply them to everyday life. Well, one thing I noticed in your writing is that people in that day didn't 
compartmentalize their lives as so many do today. Like some people might say, well, if I do church, it's on Sunday and it doesn't impact my personal life or my family, my work, the way I live. But that's not kingdom thinking, is it? No, it's not. And it's interesting. Uh, I, 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 I think one of the reasons why I'm finding people uh, interested in my book is that there is a, a reaction brewing to that. I mean, one of the biggest movements now in America is what's called, what I call and what some people call workplace theology. Yes. Where pe- groups are trying to figure out how do you take God to work? Uh, and they're trying to help people to do that. Uh, there's a, a group up in Boston called the Theology of Work Project, uh, and uh, they have about six, seven million people uh, that uh, get uh, a free email they do. And I think I'm just, one of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they give regular advice on, mm-hmm. you know, they just every week or so, they send you a little email, and they take a workplace problem, a common workplace problem, and tell you, how to approach that uh, from a Christian point of view. They are, uh, their, fo- their focus is Christian, but very general. I mean, they don't focus on a particular denomination. Uh, but there is, that's just one, one thing that's happening. Uh, there is a remarkably an organization called the Consortium of uh, uh, Christian Colleges, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I have the name right, but what they're doing now is setting up Christian study groups and colleges all across the U.S. to help students to be able to do what the early college presidents wanted, mm-hmm. which was to pursue their careers uh, in service to God, first and foremost. And so I think there is, you're absolutely right. We have lived for 100 years ever since, I think, I think Freud had a lot to do with it. Ever since the founding of psychology, people have gotten this idea in their heads that if they're religious, they go to church on Sunday. But, you know, when they're in the so-called real world, uh, you know, they're strategizing psychologically. They're not really serving God. And I think that uh, unless, oh, five, ten years, there's been a real reaction to that. And there are, uh, there's a lot of interest, not just the Theology of Work Project, but uh, groups around the country uh, uh, trying to help uh, Christians to serve uh, uh, their higher, their purpose, discover and serve their purpose in the workplace. In fact, one of our magazines is called Charisma Leader, and uh, right. we, we look at leadership in traditional ministry as well as leadership in marketplace ministry. So it is pretty amazing some of the companies that we've come across through the years where uh, their leadership actually takes the gospel seriously, even in the nine-to-five work environment. Well, I can tell you a quick little story. Uh, There was a fellow by the name of, this was in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. There was a fellow by the name of Oman, O-H-M-A-N-N. He was a psychologist at Case Western Reserve University, mm-hmm. and he was very interested in religion in the workplace, and he got permission from the head of a major company to go work there, uh, working for the president of the company, but also talking to people about spirituality. And he wrote an article called Skyhooks, in which he said that 
you know, business education is helpful if you want to be successful in your job and learning about counting principles and all that. But he said the single most important thing is to believe in God and to serve God. And he wrote that article and he got it published in the foremost business journal, which is the Harvard Business Review. Mm-hmm. And it is the single most popular article ever written for the Harvard Business Review. It gets constantly reprinted and in its time... Yeah, Time Magazine hailed it, the television, early television networks hailed it, the New York Times hailed it. Uh, it had a huge impact. Just you know, he, what he was doing was he was talking about something that people knew. There was a hunger for it, but no one had been talking about it. And every time someone comes out and starts to talk about it, it's amazing how many people listen because they know that it isn't enough just to, you know, to serve God on Sundays. Absolutely. Well, you know, as we look at the hard times that we're going through right now, um, Mm -hmm. we can also look back at what these college presidents went through and their historical context. Like even even going back to the Civil War, I think you've addressed in your book. So could you share with us why scripture is really critical as we go through these hard times? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I think there are two issues really that that, that people are dealing with now, uh, you know, is there self-quarantine and, and uh, social distancing? I mean, there's, first of all, probably the biggest thing is just the fear that a lot of mm. people have. Yes. Uh, you know, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? And uh, scripture gives, um, you know, the the advice on that, uh, which is what the same advice the presidents, I mean, you know, the early college presidents, they were presidents during the American Revolution, during the Civil War, uh, during World War One, and during, well, not World War Two, but World War One. So they, you know, they were familiar with this advice and they knew that it's important, first and foremost, to keep God present uh and not compartmentalize one's relationship with god but to always uh the president's called it the most important thought the most important thought is always to be aware of god's presence and not treat god as some distant figure who you know got the world got the universe going a billion years ago and you know occasionally shows up no god is with everybody in the present and that's a very soothing soothing thought uh and uh, the other uh, soothing thought is the idea that, you know, when we feel weak and uh, we don't know what's going to happen, what we can do to remember that, you know, it's not about us. It's about what Jesus can do for us. Uh, I think it's in 2 Corinthians where uh, uh, Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distress for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, I am strong. Mm -hmm. And so when we feel fearful, and we feel so fearful that we think we can stop, you know, we can't just do it ourselves, then we can turn over to Jesus, and that thought, that awareness, uh, has a, a soothing effect as it should, because, you know, we're not in this alone. And it's, you know, fear has any constructive function, it is to it is to remind us of that. Uh, and the other thing scripture really helps us with is, um, I, I think it's in John 16 where he says, Jesus says, he shall have tribulation. And uh, it's a reminder that the kinds of things we're going through 
are things that we were going to go through. I mean, every generation has its serious crisis, its problems. I mean, my parents went through World War II and, you know, their generation before them went through World War One, and um, uh, tribulation is a fact of life. And and Jesus tells us this because to be forewarned in the sense is to be forearmed. If we know the tribulation is coming, it's not the end. It's just what we have to cope with. And Scripture reminds us of that. And, and, so, and the fear that we're experiencing right now, and even just you know this the suspicion that people have of each other. I mean, all you have to do is go to the grocery store and sneeze, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, right. And people look at you like, you know, they're really paranoid, you know. Um, but, you know, it's just in the atmosphere right now, and it just seems to me to be very end times Yeah, but, you know, it's... Uh, I think it was not a famous introduction to A Tale of Two Cities where... Dickens says, uh, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. Yes. And it's always the best of times and the worst of times. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's a, really how we look at it. I mean, if we watch too much news and we think of this only in material terms, uh, you know, all the numbers of people becoming susceptible or whatever, we can really scare ourselves. Uh, but mm. if we can remember that uh, ye shall have tribulation, and that uh, turning our lives over to the care of Jesus means that we will be guided in the right way. Uh, we can't necessarily predict what that means, but we will be going in the right way. There's a, there's a calmness that comes to, with that, which is very important in times of crisis. Yes. Well, you, you speak of the calmness that can come or the soothing effect. I think it only comes, though, when we have an understanding of the character of God. Right. Because right. But we if, need if to you think differently, if you think that, you know, God is angry or uh, uncaring, then that will certainly change your perspective on his presence. Right. And it will also change your perspective if you think of him as remote. You know, one of the really, we, we talked about this earlier when we were talking about the compartmentalization of faith. You know, one of the things that's kind of taken over our culture is this idea that if there is a God, well, he may have started the, we, we've kind of equated God culturally with the Big Bang. And so, um, you know, if there is a God, you know, he started the universe several billion years ago, but has no uh, role in our everyday lives. And unfortunately, even a lot of Christians have sort of bought that in terms of how they compartmentalize their lives. Yeah, they go to church, but during the week, they don't think about God too much. But if you remember that God is ever-present and loving and ever-helpful, uh, it not only changes your mood, it changes your life. Mm hmm Good point there. And so as we're going through trials, how can we lift each other's burdens? Is there anything that these college presidents would tell us about that? Um, yes. Well, I think, you know, it's real. When we come to God and calm ourselves, it has an effect on other people. Uh, there's a, a famous poem 
that I was forced to learn when I was in high school. I don't know if kids are anymore, but, you know, Rudyard Kipling's famous poem, If, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Yes. You know, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but uh, make allowance for their doubts too. Um, I think in terms of, you know, the way in which we calm ourselves, I think it has an effect on others. Um, and um, I, I've just noticed, uh, and I'm uh, not trying to hold myself up as a, a paragon of calmness, but I've just noticed in situations where people get nervous or people are upset about something, if you know, you're know you coming at this from the point of view of um, this is where I'm supposed to be and uh, I'm trying to do what God wants me to do or be sensitive to that, and uh, it has an effect on other people. Uh, you know, the one site, we were talking about psychiatry before and the influence of psychology. Uh, one famous uh, psychiatrist, Carl Jung, uh, went against uh, his colleagues and was a, uh, a, a, a spiritual person with a lot of uh, uh, interesting things to say about religion. And one of his own famous sayings to himself was that whenever he was in a situation where something was going wrong or he was frustrated in some way, he took that as, he called that situation God. In other words, he believed that whenever things were not going the way he planned them, as long as he was being true to God, that this was what God wanted to have happen and that God would take care, that there was a constructive purpose behind it. And um, and that attitude, I think, not only helps the person, I think it helps everyone around them. Mm-hmm. Because they see you being calm, and 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 they wonder why. And 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 what you believe in then has a special relevance to them, because they can see that it's not just uh, an empty idea, but that it really informs your life and uh, makes you, in a sense, more powerful. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I can see that in this book, we do have some lost wisdom <laughs> that we've learned from these uh, early college presidents and from history. Um, just as we close, uh, what would you like to say to America or speak to America about how far we've fallen or what we need to learn from history? Well, you know, that's a a really interesting question because, again, it goes back to the best of times and the worst of times. I think it's always possible to look back on American history and see these, you know, college presidents with their wisdom, uh, the founding fathers who created a government uh, based on spiritual principles. I mean, uh, the founding fathers created a government uh, for, for Christians and for others, but for those who believe in God and made it possible for Christians to serve God uh, as part of, 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 of being a member of the United States. And so we look back on these people and say, oh, you know, where are those people today? You know, we don't, you know, this certainly doesn't appear to be in Congress. Um, uh, but on the other hand, then you go around, uh, as I have when I do research and I give lectures and whatever, and you discover that uh, faith is alive and well, although it's not focused on so much by the media. I mean, I've gone to speak at a number of companies, for example, uh, and then people, I went to speak at uh, 
Medtronics Corporation a couple of years ago uh, to some engineers, and afterwards they took me to a chapel in hmm. the middle of the corporate campus where people were encouraged to go and pray whenever they had some difficulty with their colleagues or at work. And there are things like that all around America that don't get a lot of attention. Uh, so I think po- politically we have fallen. You don't see great spiritual figures at the political level. But the American people, I don't think, have fallen as much as, as, as some people think. Yes, I'm sure there could be some debate on that. (laughs) (laughs) But thankfully, we do know that God is present with us no matter what's going on in our lives, and including the current coronavirus pandemic. So, Dr. Lewis Andrews, we thank you so much for being with us today. We want to remind people of the title of your book, your latest book, that is, Living Spiritually in a Material World. And I understand they can get that anywhere books are sold, right? They can go on uh, Amazon or go to any bookstore, yeah. Okay, great. You might have to might have to wait these days to go to a bookstore. Maybe better <laughs> luck on Amazon. <laughs> well, I don't even know about that. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> as I say, they're making the priority the other supplies like groceries and things like that. But books books might be essential too, right? Well, you can get the ebook. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have a new website we can point people to, and what is the link for that? It's my name. It's w. It's lewisandrews.com, www.lewisandrews.com. Okay, lewisandrews.com. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Andrews or Lou, for being with us today on Charisma Connection. Well, thanks so much, Chris. Great being with you. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us here, listeners, on Charisma Connection. And be sure to check out our growing network of podcasts at cpnshows.com. Here's a couple podcasts I'd like to point you to. Kingdom Ready with Pastor Todd Smith. Pastor Todd has been instrumental in the revival in North Georgia, so you might want to check that out. And there's another one called The Faith Rest Life with Caleb Hires. Also take note of Charisma Audio at the top of the CPN Show's website or at the, there's a graphic on there you can click on and learn how you can hear Charisma Magazine on audio instead of just reading it, or you can do both. So sign up to listen in the spirit today. Thank you for listening today. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.